Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, listeners. From home or on the road, catch a favorite story. You are listening to Catch the Story, the podcast where in each episode we bring you great stories told by dear storytellers. I'm your host, Lucia Matuonto, and it's time to get the story. Our first storyteller is Jackie Ferguson. Jackie is a certified diversity executive, speaker, podcaster, and author. She is one of 200 women leaders from across America who are actively shaping the world into a better place. Jackie Ferguson for Catch the Story. Find your power at work. How I stepped out of the shadows and into the spotlight. Think about it. People spend most of their waking lives at work. We have some of our most important successes at work and make friends with our teammates, clients, and others, even our bosses. You would think that work would actually feel like a second home, yet the workplace is often filled with contradictions, and work often creates anxiety from a social standpoint, apart from the hard work that we do. Despite the amount of time we spend at work, certain people don't feel comfortable using their voices in a business setting, whether it is expressing ideas, making suggestions, or asking questions. For many underrepresented professionals, Experience has taught them that they can't bring their full selves to work. In this type of environment, work becomes a daily struggle. People in this position often shrink in the workplace. They make themselves palatable to the majority group by staying silent. They swallow their challenging questions and revolutionary ideas because of the repercussions that they have seen occur or experienced. These challenges can have profound consequences. For many people, the sting can last a lifetime. For example, if I as a black woman professional assert myself, will I be seen as difficult or aggressive? The statistics say yes, 
My previous experiences say yes, even in areas where I may have the best information or the strongest idea. When this happened to me, I made myself smaller to get through the day, the week, and suddenly 15 years had passed. During those early years of my career, I didn't offer many recommendations, nor was I often asked for my input, even on projects where I led the work. It was usually someone else going to meetings, explaining my work, and enjoying the spotlight. It took some time, too much time when I think about it now, but I had to learn to advocate for myself. I had to recognize that I added value to those discussions. So until I had an environment where my voice was valued, I worked hard and let the quality of my work speak for me. And in that era, hierarchical leadership was the norm. My performance had always been held to a higher standard. Many studies show that Black women professionals are criticized more harshly for mistakes than our counterparts. I have had to be exceptional throughout my career, and I've had to demonstrate my reliability and dependability every day. To be honest, for much of my early career, I didn't have the space to take professional risks. Given that I didn't have room to fail, I got comfortable in the background. It took me a long time, but eventually I had the opportunity to step out of the shadows. I had an important audience I was now considering, my daughter. I wanted to show her that you have to have confidence in yourself and stand in your power to accomplish your goals, even when you're not sure of how you're going to do it. I had also learned something important as I sat in the back of those conference rooms. The thing that separated the executive level from the rest of us was not expertise. The secret was confidence and access. I found my voice at a tech company called iCubed where I worked for a hard-charging CEO. His expectations of his team were so high that you either led or failed. As a black leader in tech without an engineering degree or any degree, he didn't have time for assumptions or excuses. It was in that role that I stepped into my true power, to execute against big ideas, to create a plan and deliver, and after some time, I realized nobody does that better than I do. Several years later, I worked at a digital marketing agency in North Carolina. Unlike most marketing agencies at the time, we had a diverse staff. In addition, our workplace welcomed challenging questions and innovative ideas. Our diversity was also becoming a business advantage. The media was filled with too many cringy, offensive marketing campaigns. It was clear that the creative agencies responsible for those ads and campaigns either didn't have diverse voices at the table or those voices weren't being heard. Rather than wait around to see how the industry handled diversity, we decided to take action. Our CEO, the same leader from iCubed, suggested we create an online course in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Although I had never created a course before, my hands shot into the air and I volunteered to write what would become diversity beyond the checkbox. I realized that my experience as a professional writer combined with experience in human resources would help me, and I had some knowledge of DEI in the workplace. Later, when I started digging into the topic so I could write the course, I realized how much I didn't know. I had to become the expert while I was writing the course. 
At the time, there was a lot of information available, but much of it was unreliable, conflicting, or just plain bad. This was pre-2020, before the pandemic and the murder of George Floyd. As I researched and designed the course, my understanding of DEI kept expanding. In the end, I had dedicated over a thousand hours of work and research to this project while studying to become a certified diversity executive and still managing my day-to-day job. I had spent my whole career making other people look good. As I mentioned, I had grown comfortable being behind the scenes. Sure, there were many times when I had a lot of responsibility on my shoulders, but the spotlight had never been on me. Now, I felt the pressure to deliver. I was out in front. Others were going to decide whether it was good or not good in a very public way. I remember sitting with our CEO on a call with Sharon and Amelia from the NCA CPA, the North Carolina Association of Certified Public Accountants. They were early testers to evaluate the course. Sharon told us that she enjoyed the course and wanted to license it for her entire association. When we hung up the phone, I started to cry because I was just so excited and relieved. The NCA CPA became our first client. Then we began selling the course to more organizations. Soon, our clients asked, the course is great, but what's next? So we added consulting services, wrote more courses, created an extensive amount of free content, and developed products that reinforced learning. That first course, Diversity Beyond the Checkbox, led to the founding of the diversity movement. But the spotlight didn't move. I was now considered the expert. I was booked on podcasts, speaking engagements for companies and conferences. I was now standing at the front of the room with the same types of executives who would lead the meetings I had observed from the back. Today, the diversity movement has served hundreds of organizations globally and reached more than 100,000 people. Imagine These executives and leaders from all over the world are looking to us for guidance on creating and sustaining more inclusive workplaces and cultivating diverse, productive teams. There are so many reasons why we say no to things. We think we're not ready, now isn't the time, or rationalize that we just don't know enough. The fact is, nobody is ever completely ready. People often have unrealistic expectations of themselves to be perfect, and that's one of the things that messes us up. Instead, we should throw away the notion of imposter syndrome and realize that most of us are nervous about trying something new. We don't have it all figured out. I wish I had taken more risks earlier in my career. If your voice is not valued at the table you're at, find a different table. Find the team or the leader who is going to encourage you to push past your comfort zone. Start saying yes to things, trying things, and putting yourself out there. There's a chance you'll fail, but there's an even better chance that you'll learn or gain from the experience. I'm the type of person who likes to have it all figured out. All my T's crossed and I's dotted before I start something but I've had to get comfortable saying to myself, you know what? I'm going to get started and figure it out on the way. And it paid off. 
Our company has won multiple awards, including Fast Company's world-changing ideas for a product that the team I supervise created. I was awarded the Inc. Female Founders Award in the Game Changers category. And recently, the diversity movement was acquired by a global corporation with 81 million users who saw our value in helping them integrate DEI into employee well-being. No matter what's next, I know I'll jump in with excitement, vigor, and confidence. I'll find my place, do exceptional work, and forge a path for those that come after me. And I'll do it all for the same reason I do everything. My daughter, Diana. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Our next guest is Mary Regan, former educational tutor, small business owner, and part-time freelance news and feature article writer. Mary Regan resides in America, in the state of Massachusetts. She savors reading, writing, ballroom dancing, singing, homemaking, and yard work. Good day, reading enthusiasts. Hope you will enjoy hearing two excerpts from Life Flash as a Memoir being presented in the form of bedtime stories. Life Flash as a Memoir is a work that was written in diary form over 14 years and by me using the pen name Mary Reagan. The first excerpt that will be read to you is light, entertaining, and memorable. Here we go. Friday, May 28, 2010. After returning home tonight via mini SUV around 5 p.m. and backing into a driveway parking space, I rolled down a car window near the driver's seat. I greeted Lance Calligan, son of my landlady and landlord, Mary Rita and Paul Calligan. Lance was seated in a shiny black sedan facing in the opposite direction. The driver's side window of the car was open as he was backing out of an adjacent parking space. After Lance greeted me, he indicated that he and two male buddies and his sister Faith, also seated in the car, were embarking on an evening of club going from one nightclub to another. Lance said the activity might last until early tomorrow morning. Gail Calligan, junior sister of Lance and Faith, was other, otherwise occupied this evening. One young man sitting in the passenger seat of the shiny sedan suddenly asked me, Why don't you come out with us? Immediately I quipped, Don't even think about asking me out. I'm old enough to be your second mother. The young man snickered at me and then visibly gagged. 
He was probably visualizing dating a woman who was old enough to be a second mother with him. Suddenly embarrassed and defensive, the young man countered, Well then, what are you doing tonight? Dating a couple of good books and then eating a sizzling hot slice of pizza, I said, smirking, leaving all four car occupants giggling. Wouldn't you know, a few days following the encounter, while turning on the apartment living room television, I was suddenly watching a rolling sitcom featuring five people seated upon a living room couch as well as two chairs, who were sharing, they were sharing pickup lines. The first one is, did I feel an earthquake or did you just rock this world? The second pickup line is, is that sunburn or are you always this hot? Will you name magician? Because whenever I look at you, everyone else disappears, is a third opposite sex teaching approach. I don't own a library card, so can I check you out? Is the fourth suggested flirting format. The final pickup line recorded here is, Are you going to kiss me, or I'm, will I be lying in my memoir? Bada bump. We're done. No more pickup lines. After leaving Lance and company, I re-entered the apartment in which I live with Jura and decided to delay feeding dog Jura, who was resting on the living room floor. I left the apartment and walked toward Cohasset Town Hall. A large crowd was gathering there. People were hoping to see Cohasset High School seniors who accompanied and invited guests to the CHS senior prom tonight. When announced, each couple wearing form formal attire exited the town hall entrance, stepped down onto a stairway, and then entered a temporary red carpeted runway, which led toward Cohasset Common. The runway was lined with two railings decorated with flowers and bows. As the noted prom couple strolled toward the common, media members, family, friends, and companions, and relatives, photographed them. While being among the spectators, I suddenly recalled attending the Cohasset High School senior prom held in May of 1971. Then a college student, CHS 1970 graduate Mark Miller, escorted me to the event. The setting of the CHS class of 1971 prom dinner dance was the former Kimball's restaurant, which was located beside scenic Cohasset Harbor. Near the end of the dinner dance, I entered a powder room and asked someone to help me pull down a zipper on the back of the prom dress I was wearing. The A-line design, ankle-length satin dress, was pale yellow. Yellow chiffon covered the satin. The A-line, <clears throat> the empire waist bodice, also covered with chiffon, was embroidered with small, delicate pink and white flowers. Long chiffon sleeves of the dress were buttoned at the wrist. A yellow satin sash was stitched into the gown bodice, sewn into each side of the zipper in the back of the dress, and was now tied in a bow, allowing the, the two bow strings of the sash to fall below the bow. Emerging from the powder room, wearing casual clothes, I accompanied Mark as he drove to the prom party. He drove us to the after prom party. The party setting was a donated, furnished, and large seaside Cohasset home. Attending the 1971 CHS senior prom allowed me to fully realize that going to a high school prom or after prom party or anywhere, primarily because one wants to be seen, is inadvisable. Mark and I had been seeing one another for two months before attending the prom. 
During the after-prom party, we were barely communicating. At some point, he clearly wanted to fully join after-prom party guests with whom he had been interacting for a while. This was not truly bothersome. Mark and I admire and respect one another. We are friends who resemble a brother and sister. He and I recently connected. These days, when we run into one another, we laugh, we talk. We do not mention the 1971 Cohasset High School senior prom. When during the, the Cohasset High School class of 71 prom, nighttime had become the following day, the time was 5.15 a.m. and daylight was appearing, Mark and I decided to part company. I began walking home, strolling along Atlantic Avenue, which is connected with Jerusalem Road. Both roads are seaside thoroughfares. I watched the sun rise while I continued to walk leisurely on Jerusalem Road and beside Rocky Beach. Suddenly, I observed two people, a boy and a girl, who were sitting very closely together on a large blanket that had been set on beach sand. Heartbreak surged and lodged inside of me. Brody McLaughlin is the name of the boy who was sitting on the beach. Brody and I first became acquainted when we were assigned to the same Cohasset High School ninth grade homeroom class. When I was a, a CHS high school junior, and then again when I was a senior, I again considered Brody. During senior year school days, Brody and I conversed a few times. He's generally outgoing and calm. He's gifted with a good sense of humor. Brody was recognized as having been an adept high school football player. After being asked to hold a football resting on a tee until seconds before a girl kicked it in the fourth down play in the November 1969 annual CHS Powder Puff football game, during which two teams of girls who are junior class members play football in a way that does not require wearing safety equipment, yet each team wants to win, I was permanently removed from the game. Why? Beats me. Whatever I may remains to this day unknown to me. One year hence, in the fall of 1970, and then in the spring of 1971, as I was <clears throat> as a CHS senior, I continued to be intensely shy and quiet while I remained interested in Brody. Hoping to see and talk with him during the senior prom, I wanted to attend the event. When I saw Brody and a girl he had been dating for a while at the prom dinner dance, I was very bashful and therefore unable to talk with or even approach him and the girl who accompanied him to the prom. Following the after-prom party, when I saw Brody and the girl he brought to the prom sitting together on Rocky Beach, I lowered my head inside. Continuing to walk home, I turned left onto Forest Avenue. Later, turning right allowed me to enter Upper North Main Street, where I lived then. Arriving home at 6.45 a.m., I was grateful that fa awakened family members had not heard me moving into the den and dining room and then ascending the hallway stairs. After entering the second-floor bedroom that I shared with Sister Lizzie, who was either asleep or downstairs, I began to cry. Then, without changing the after-prom clothes I was wearing, I slumped head-first down onto one of two twin beds and landed upon the mattress and pillow. I wept and wiped tears running down this face until I fell into a deep, long-lasting sleep. Brody McLaughlin and I recently became reacquainted. He is now employed as a deep-sea fisherman. He is also self-employed. He has been owned and managed a painting company for many years. Brody is a dad of three daughters. He's now single. Time has re relieved 
former insecurities with me within me regarding developing relationships with people, and I accept the reality that many relationships do not ever develop beyond goodwill. Luckily, goodwill is what begins and maintains a relationship, regardless of how much or how little the relationship develops. Good day again, reading enthusiasts. Welcome to the reading of a second excerpt from Life Flashes, a memoir, a nonfiction work in diary form that was written over 14 years by me using the pen name Mary Reagan. The second excerpt is solemn, thought-provoking, and inspiring. Hope you enjoy. Here we go. Monday, January 1, 2018. Writing Life Flashes, a memoir has nearly come to an end. The now 11-year-long writing journey has been irreplaceable, character-building, and satisfying. The past year has allowed me to continue to write, perform in-home and yard-related tasks, give dog juror care, read from time to time, and to re-enter private and group ballroom dance classes. Juror passed away on Tuesday, November 21, 2017 at approximately 1.40 p.m., when internal organs within him had fully failed. For over a year, he had been steadily slowing down metabolically. A coasset neighbor, Elise Marino, accompanied me as I entered Hingham Animal Clinic while carrying Jura. He suddenly hemorrhaged as he was laid on the Hingham Animal Hospital entrance hallway floor. For several years, I had hoped and prayed that when Jura died, I would be holding him. As Jura lay dying, he was almost fully resting in my lap in both arms. Hingham Animal Clinic veterinarian, Dr. Har Harriet Lakus, and, an, and additional clinic staff, who had given Jura high-level care for nearly ten years, lovingly surrounded Jura while he was near death and then passed away. During previous veterinary visits, when she had viewed me becoming emotional and sometimes tearful when we discussed the decline, continuing decline of Jura, Dr. Lakis asked me, Are you going to be able to handle losing Jura when the time comes? No response followed. On the afternoon of November 21, 2017, as Dr. Lakis viewed Jura suddenly hemorrhaging, she gasped, and then she looked toward me, saying, He's almost gone. She administered a euthanizing shot, and then suddenly she surprised me. She'd become good and tearful. Love in the form of care she gave Jura pierced me then, as love now does. Jura clearly trusted and respected Dr. Lakis, as well as additional Hingham Animal Clinic staff. During almost ten years of intermittently being treated there, not once did he resist entering the clinic, which to this day continues to exemplify the home-like atmosphere of the office and examining rooms of a veterinarian practicing in a rural area. I remember Jura as resembling a beloved, humble, and wise king. In the years that we were together, I did not at any time observe Jura treating anyone or anything without kindness, respect, and cooperation. The night before he died, he was missing around 5.30 p.m., ten minutes after having been brought outside. For over a week, Jura had not strayed from the condominium environs when we were walking around it, he had become near fully blind and deaf and could walk only short distances. Running late for a scheduled private dance lesson, I decided to let Jura out alone in backyard outside the condo for a few minutes. 
to make him dinner in the meantime, and then to escort him back into the condominium before driving to the dance school. When I sought Jura five minutes after letting him out, he was when I sought Jura five minutes after letting him out, he was gone. I called the studio and canceled the dance lesson. A few moments later, I spoke with neighbor Elise Marino and Riggins Garage owner Warren Riggins, who had been conferring with Elise about repairing the car she drives. Warren or offered to drive about Cohasset looking for Jura. While we walked about neighborhood areas, Elise and I methodically searched the whereabouts of Jura, each of us using large flashlights, allowing us to diligently and closely observe nearby spots where Jura might be found. Nearly 60 minutes later, believing Jura did not want to be dis discovered, found me thanking Jean for assisting me and then expressing a desire to return home. Heartbroken, I did not want to lose Jura amid these circumstances. When I returned home, I re-entered the living room. Shortly thereafter, Warren telephoned me and said that he had not found Jura. Thirty minutes later, while sitting on an oversized living room chair and continuing to experience profound grief, I decided to leave the condominium, enter the station wagon I drive, and travel about Cohasset looking for Jura. Doing so, unsurprisingly not finding Jura, and therefore returning home at 8.15, I parked the car in the driveway and sat there numbly until 8.45 p.m. After leaving the car and walking very slowly toward the condominium front door, I viewed seriously ill Jura, quietly and soulfully, standing near the door, facing me. He was patiently waiting to re-enter the earthly home in which he had lived for a little over three years for almost the last time. Jura had been missing for three and a half hours. I will not again experience unconditional love in the same manner that I did when loving and giving Jura care. The end. That's all for today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a story that you want us to catch, submit it on our website at www relatable-media.com Thank you for listening and whether you are at home or on the road, we hope you catch this story. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.